0: Episode 77, Two Residencies in a New Country. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclare, and today, we're Dr. Kelly Wood, MD's Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclare, as he gets a rarely-seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Hey, welcome back. Did you enjoy that bonus episode? I just sort of snuck in there. Hopefully, we'll be able to do more of those. Like I said before, uh, I'd love to attend more events and do post-event wrap-ups, interview people, guest speakers while we're at the event, and give the host a nice little promotional piece for their next year. Hey, hey. it's the middle of June. Baby's due at the end of August. And finally, she kicked, y'all. I felt it. I poked. Boom. She kicks. She kicked back again. Oh, what an amazing feeling. All right. That's enough of that. Just want to give you that update. So cool. Well, today's guest is straight from Barbados and how she embarked upon coming to America after already going through residency and medical school there because she wanted to be extra trained in endocrinology. So she has a big focus on diabetes, thyroid, and she has a, a mind, body, and spirit approach that I, I think is Interesting. Um, she is finding her voice on her blog she's trying to finish up a book soon and she travels a lot also near the end in the relationship she has a great story about being resilient after moving to another city for a man so very interesting all the show notes can be found at a doctor's slash seven seven let's go hashtag behind the curtain Live from China and Barbados slash Atlanta. So excited. Today, we have a endocrinologist, diabetes specialist. She is a blogger, a speaker, a health and wellness expert, board certified in internal medicine, loves diabetes and metabolism. Her mission is to help women and men struggling with their weight, encouraging one another with chronic illnesses. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Kelly Wood, MD.
1: Hello, how are you? So happy to be here. Same really
0: excited here. to speak with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this show, we, we try to specialize in doctors, but we just don't get a lot mm-hmm. of medical doctors. So it's really fun when we have one on because you all bring a unique perspective that we don't always see. And I know one thing we don't have to deal with too much here is marketing. So we'll just have to talk right, more so. about your specialties <laughs> and yes. the personal stuff.
1: We can talk about personal stuff. That's Okay.
0: <laughs> That'll be fun. I love it. Okay, so you are not American-born. You came here around 12 years ago. You became a doctor of all things that you could do in life. Give us a little bit of your backstory and, and why you chose you know internal medicine and endocrinology.
1: Great. So that's an interesting question. So um, when I was in high school, I always had a love for the sciences. I was fascinated with how the body worked, especially how the mind worked. And I loved connecting with people on a one-on-one basis. So I thought that I'd become a psychologist. And I think at my core, I'm a healer. I hate to see people in pain or suffering. So I was thinking all along that I'd become a psychologist. However, when I was about 17, my grandmother got really ill. And I distinctly remember going with her to a doctor And at that time, my grandmother was my childhood hero, and she was acutely ill at the doctor's office. And the doctor wasn't the most empathetic. Um, She was more concerned about getting payment than treating my grandmother. And then I can imagine for, for a teenager how scary that was, seeing someone that you loved being ill like that. And when my grandmother passed a year later, I decided to go into medicine so that I could provide compassionate care to women like her. So that no other family would have to experience what I what I experienced, and that's why I became um, a doctor. Initially, I wanted to become a geriatrician. Why I chose endocrinology is a whole other story.
0: (laughs) That would be a tough field, I think. Every day with like the really old and the really like end of life stages, like that would be hard.
1: It is it is a hard field, but you know, even though I'm not I'm an endocrinologist, a lot of my patient population. is over the age of 65 and you still have a special place in my heart for the elderly
0: yeah exactly that's exciting so that's a question i definitely want to come back to is how do you avoid being all about the money when it can become easy to do you know maybe we can just answer that now and then go right back to your specialty if you like but okay if, <laughs> while it's fresh yeah. how can you avoid that
1: so I was going to talk about that in terms of the, one of the common misconceptions that people have about doctors mm-hmm. is that most of us are in it for the money. And that's not true. The The doctors that I have trained with, the ones that have mentored and trained me, the vast majority of us are genuinely concerned about the well-being of our patients. We form deep connections with them. You know, I see a diabetic maybe every three months. So, you know, over time, I get to know who they are. I I get to know about their family, their family life. And, you know, I invested in their well-being. So most of us aren't in it for money. We're in it because we truly want to help people.
0: Do you happen to have a a unique view, a unique angle when you're treating the diabetic patients or endocrinologists in general? What makes you unique or what, what drew you to that field?
1: So... That's a two-part question. <laughs> yeah. So what what drew me to the field of, of endocrinology? As I mentioned earlier, when I entered medical school, I had all intention of being a geriatrician. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as we go through med school, we have different rotations, learn different topics. And I found that I loved everything endocrine. Um, I loved how this really small gland in the base of the brain called the pituitary, how it interacted with the thyroid or with the adrenal glands and, you know, with the ovaries. And I could read this material for hours and never get bored or never fall asleep. So I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I can do for the rest of my life. But it was only a few years later that it kind of all made sense as to why i loved endocrine so much so when i was about 16 years or so i was a part of a club called key club it's a junior arm of kawani's club which um is a community organization that you know does outreach programs mm-hmm. and for the club their the worldwide service project was to eradicate childhood um hypothyroidism mm-hmm. so in developing countries women who did not have enough eye in their babies that had know and about the thyroid and how it worked and the symptoms and signs and i had to know enough to be able to go and talk about it to the adults and to other other students about it so even though at that time being a doctor was not on my radar i think a seed was planted that you know produced fruit when i was in medical school and it kind of always reminds me that we we can never even like our seemingly seemingly meaningless experiences they all kind of play a part in getting us towards our purpose and why we were created.
0: that's true wow. yeah at 16 like that would be pretty wild you're like all right what is this thing called What is I <laughs> it does all this that's unreal
1: <laughs> it's really small gland is so powerful
0: <laughs> oh but you know what and that's the story i think a lot of people need to hear is there's so much passion you found something that you're passionate about and i don't care if you're a doctor or you do digital mm-hmm. marketing, or whatever it is that you're into. That passion is like I don't even fall asleep studying this. Like that, that should yes. tell you something. That's, that's Figure out how that become a thing.
1: <laughs> that's the thing, and I think our passion, you know, like kind of like a breadcrumb, it kind of leads us to what our purpose is is, is gonna be. Um, so it's it's really good to pay attention to all of these things. Like you know what makes you happy, what makes you sad, what do you want to fix? That will ultimately tell you where you should be, what you should be doing with your life.
0: And I don't know if you realized this when you were younger. When I was pursuing my, my, my doctor career, I didn't realize, like, all the tracks of medicine. It, mm-hmm. There's so many things that you could specialize in. And you, I never really realized that that was the way you do it. It was always just like, you just become a doctor and you just yeah. chose. <laughs> you just liked, you know, <laughs> you know. I didn't know that. That's weird. <laughs> and you know, obviously, you see more in diabetes, but it's such it's so prevalent. um mm-hmm. Is there a special approach that you have that makes you a little more unique or uh, keeps you excited?
1: So um, so I think it was last year I was doing an assignment um, at a facility and I was seeing a lot of new patients. And they had an intake form that had all the symptoms that someone might have when they come to see the doctor. And what I found was that almost two out of every three patients clicked or, or ticked anxiety or depression. And so I dove a little bit more into this and I found that patients who have chronic medical illnesses are at a higher risk of having mental illness like depression and anxiety. And sometimes as a specialist, when you might have, what, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes to see a patient, you kind of have a directed approach where you ask them about their blood sugars, you might titrate insulin. But If someone has depression and anxiety, like for example, someone who has diabetes with with depression, they're not gonna wanna get out of bed. They're not gonna wanna go exercise no matter how much I tell them to go exercise. Someone who might be really stressed out, they're gonna turn to food when they're stressed. So their blood sugars will always be high. And I find that when I take the time to see the patient as a whole being, mind, body, and spirit, that's why I'm so into this mind, body, and spirit medicine, it's more successful because I can using my own experience with stress and anxiety and depression, I can give them tools that I myself have used to help them with that because their mood and their anxiety and their depression will definitely influence how they're going to manage their diabetes. And I've found that that has been more successful rather than just focusing on someone's blood sugars. So it's
0: kind of like a chicken and an egg. Maybe they got Poor, a lot of poor. Obviously, you got diabetes. You had some poor life choices for a long time, yes. typically in mm-hmm. you know, type ones. But and that could feed into being like I'm depressed because I'm I'm probably over really overweight. Yes. I can't exercise, mm-hmm. but I'm supposed to exercise. I hate exercising, but the mm-hmm. doctor wants me to do this. But I'm always getting these sugar cravings. I always want ice cream. I'm not supposed to have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and you, what's great is you're not just saying here, take a Xanax. Let's <laughs> address these right. issues.
1: Right. Right. it really fits in the underlying i mean like you know some people turn to drugs and alcohol to to cope with life a lot of people a lot of us probably the most addictive drug is probably food you know so unless you tackle those underlying issues it makes you know the diabetes a lot harder to control and to manage
0: yeah well that's kind of one of the i mean i wrote a book about that some of that stuff and um uh, i'm actually uh, i'm coming to america in about three or four days in, in this past okay. month. Okay. So I had a month where I was like, all right, Justin, you need to drop some weight. Cause when you go to America, <laughs> you just oh, don't care. And I was like, I can't go higher than I am right now. So <laughs> a week goes by, and you know, it's on your mind. And I'm thinking, all right, you got to get serious. Justin, there's always a reason to cheat. There's always a reason to cheat. Like every other day. It's,
1: it's hard. Yeah. Like even for me, like, you know, mon- I go in cycles. So like Monday, to say sorry, Sunday to maybe Thursday, I'm really good, but on weekends it's harder to maintain that. And God forbid if I travel because I, I travel has become one of my passions. So I love to travel. God forbid if I go on vacation somewhere.
0: <laughs> it is over. eat fest for us. Me and my wife, we are like, let's sample everything we can eat in Thailand <laughs> for three days. Like, you should see the budget for food. It's crazy. <laughs> it is difficult because you know my thing is. Right now, I'm like, all right, you're not going to die, Justin. just don't eat so much. Just mm-hmm. restrict your calories for two weeks. You'll be mm-hmm. happy you did it. But it's hard. It's mm-hmm. a mental game. It, you, it you really is. have to be psyched to do it. And to, it for is, your then- whole life, come on, that's hard.
1: Right. I mean, I, I tell my patients, you know, it's unrealistic for me to expect you to have perfect blood sugars each and every day. Somebody had a birthday, you had an anniversary, have that piece of cake. That's okay. Yeah. But don't have cake every single night after dinner. You know what I mean? That's what you're gonna get into. Get into travel. So I think having realistic expectations is important, and also knowing that you know if you fall off the wagon, you go on vacation or bad weekend. You know, Monday says somebody hit the gym or start start eating healthy again.
0: Yeah, I heard somebody had a like a three day program where it's super structured and boring. Like, but she's like, if you just did that three days a week, I want to say at the end of the month, that's sixty percent or seventy percent of your diet for a month. Right. right. And the, and they're
1: like, yeah, all
0: Yeah. You mentioned one. I like to say there's usually a couple of misconceptions that you have to tackle on a regular basis. What's one of the other top things that you have to deal with?
1: Hmm. That was the, that was the main one that, you know, that I have dealt with like the financial gain or if we're getting kicked back from the pharmaceutical companies, which we're, are prescribing, not... Which we're definitely not for, for prescribing, prescribing medications. And I mean, a lot of times as a, black doctor you know my name is Kelly Wood when I walk into the door a lot of people are like hmm I didn't expect you I thought you were a man
0: <laughs> so well oh, that's true that's true you had definitely have a
1: uh, that first name sex name right yeah <laughs> so a lot of times this stereotypes of what a doctor looks like you know something that I as a you know minority female physician you know have have to deal with. And I've had, you know, overall I've had a good experience, but there were some patient encounters where there was some tension I think because of because of that and you kinda have to learn how to maneuver. And I and I also look young, so that's another strike against me. But you're black, so, so you're
0: always gonna look young. Until you're old <laughs> <will> you <laughs> the melanin is a wonderful thing.
1: So when I I mean I, I probably get asked once a week, um, are you sure you're old enough to do this? When did you graduate? I'm like, Thank you for the compliment. But I've been a doctor for about 14 years now. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not 20. Come on. <laughs> okay. When we're, so I've got two follow-up questions, but I think I'll go with this one first. Okay. What are some of the common concerns that patients are asking you with with their conditions, with what do I do now? I've got a condition I didn't know I have. It feels like, especially <laughs> if it's like a hypothyroid, hyperthyroid, just like, am I I'm defeated. I don't know what else to do. Like, it sounds like it's something I have to, I didn't cause on my own. There's nothing I can do about it. What are some of the things you hear?
1: So, you know, as as you mentioned, bread and butter endocrinology is diabetes. But I would say maybe a third of my practice is thyroid disease and mainly hypothyroidism. And a lot of questions that I, you know, I get asked, you know, what, what caused this? You know, did I do anything to cause this? And what can I do to prevent this? Or to stop this from progressing, you know, we, we, a lot of, as human beings, we love control. We love to know that we can, you know, make changes and get a good outcome. And with thyroid disease, unfortunately how the pathophysiology is, you know, it, it's genetic it can happen at birth. Um, but then once you have it, it's typically a progressive disease. Mm. A lot of patients ask me, you know, what do I, what do I eat? Are there certain foods that I, um, can eat or foods that I should avoid that will make it better or food that I should avoid to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of patients ask, you know, can I have a normal life with thyroid disease? And it, it, it can become a complicated disorder to treat. You know, I tell my patients, sometimes we're giving you synthetic thyroid hormone and it's the best thing that we have to replace what your own thyroid is making But is it doing exactly what your natural thyroid um, is doing? Probably not. You know, some patients go on thyroid medication. They feel totally fine and back to normal. And there are others that tell me, you know, I've never felt the same. So, you know, what do you do? You know, there are so many different thoughts there about diets that you, you can eat to help the thyroid. I've done research on this. I haven't really seen anything to prove that they have. But what I tell my patients is that if you feel better doing something, once your levels are normal and we're not, you're not hurting yourself, I am okay with that. One, one thing that I have found anecdotally is that some of my patients who have thyroid disease who don't have celiac disease per se, when they cut gluten out, they do feel a whole lot better. Um, so I have been recommending that. Perhaps it's to do with the antibodies that are higher when you do have gluten. Maybe there's some cross reactivity. I don't know. But some patients do feel a lot better when they cut gluten out. So I have been recommending that. Isn't that
0: wild? I mean, I know. <laughs> but I, I, I applaud you because some a lot of medical doctors tend to, they don't really look at some of these unproven diet type things. Like, mm-hmm. But then it, if it work like you said, if it works, you feel better. Well, it works for you me. Feel,
1: you feel better and your thyroid levels are where they're supposed to be. Eat,
0: go for it <laughs> do you subscribe to a certain diet plan for diabetics like uh, you know there's all those name brand anything particular that you prefer or what
1: i mean the american diabetes association has has carb controlled um diet most patients with diabetes don't usually count their carbs but they really should be and the recommendation is according to how many grams of carbohydrates they should be having so normally they try to keep it you know you're allowed three three main meals you know, around 45, at most 60 grams of carbs. And then your snacks, you're supposed to have about 15 grams of carbs for your snack. Most of the diabetic patients also have coronary artery disease and hypercholesterolemia, hypertension. So a Mediterranean diet, you know, low fats, high in vegetables, high in fruit would also be good for them as well.
0: Okay. Very good. All right. So this is the fun question. We have doctors... (laughs) We have people in college, maybe they're listening to this podcast, maybe they're they're in medical school or they just graduated or whatever. I like to know, is there any advice for someone who's just starting out, struggling to make a choice, and being that you you know, a minority and black, so double, is there any advice that you have for other people in similar and a woman. (laughs) And a woman yeah, yeah, double. That's the double part. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) To encourage these people to You can do it. I did it. You can do it.
1: What you got for us? Yeah, I would say, you know, with how medicine is going right now, with how it's become, you know, a lot of more sort of a business, it's still a very noble profession. Being able to influence the life, your patient who's sitting in front of you and your community as a whole, is nothing more rewarding than that. So if you have an interest in medicine, I would definitely say, you know, pursue that. Make sure that you are getting into it for the right reason. Um, If you're not getting into it because of a genuine desire to serve people, you're going to get burnt out really, really quickly. It is achievable. It is doable. You know, you talked about me being a minority woman in medicine. And the higher I got, you know, I did residency and I did fellowship. I became a, an attending. The higher I got in my career, the less minority women I saw. And that's kind of sad, you know. It, it's good to see someone that looks like you, to, for, for you to know that, you know, if she could do it, I could do it too. So one thing that I'd recommend is to get good mentorship. You know, find someone that you can relate to, that you can share your, who shares similar experience with you, um, who can kind of guide you through some of the processes and guide you through some of the challenges that might occur as a minority physician.
0: Because I noticed anytime I've asked people, hey, can I shadow you? Can I talk to you? They're usually very like, yes, let's go. Let's, I'd love to give mm-hmm. back and mentoring mm-hmm. is, is a way a lot of people do it.
1: It sure is. It sure is. I mean, even, even what I do on social media now, like talking about my, my, my journey as a doctor, a lot of that is to show someone behind me because I'm an international medical, medical grad and it is harder for us. So it's another thing that was against me as well too, you know, to get, to get into residency and fellowship here. So, when I post on social media talking about my journey in medicine and why I became a doctor and even how excited I am when I see an interesting case, that's the encouragement I want behind me. You know what? She she has done it. I can do it too. I mean, the journey to become a doctor is not easy. And I look back at, you know, I went to medical school, then I did residency for three years and I did fellowship another two years. Most of my high school friends were already working, you know, <laughs> making <like> money. <laughs> that, as we kind of had to catch up. But not only that, I sacrificed, in my mind, some of my personal life. You know what I mean? I I sure will talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. but, um, so it's not an easy road at all, but it's very rewarding. I cannot imagine myself doing anything else. What would be a couple,
0: You know, even just one, uh, one of the struggles you may have had having to overcome, like not being American and trying to come to our schools is not easy. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a tough thing to do. And yeah. have you had any, any struggles that you want to talk about that you've had to overcome that you're very proud of in a sense?
1: I think so. I, I did medical school in, in Barbados and I did two years of residency there. So starting, oh, I mean, coming to the States, I had to do all the boards and everything. And then I had to oh, start over. No. Wow. And luckily for me, I kind of did it early in my career. But I have some colleagues who were attendings in Barbados for like, you know, five, six years. I had to come back and, you know, start all over again as an intern and just adjusting to, you know, we didn't have, at the time we didn't have EMR in, in Barbados and just adjusting to even come work using a computer <laughs> just a click the no, saying, <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> so it was just a, an adjustment. You know, I remember my first, my first month as an intern in, in my residency in Philadelphia, that was, a, even though I was a doctor for two years before it was still a very steep learning curve.
0: Really? Mm -hmm. What made you want to come here?
1: So um, at the time, there was no avenue for me to specialize. So I knew that I I wanted to become an endocrinologist. That's why I'm here. And the plan was to eventually go back. And in my heart heart of hearts, I still do want to go back to Barbados. Barbados
0: is like a paradise, isn't it? It's absolutely
1: beautiful. Like you go to the beach, and you can look down in the water and see your toes. (laughs) Crystal clear water.
0: I'm from Louisiana. We don't know what <laughs> underneath our feet. You don't want to know, probably. That's funny. It was a shellfish. shellfish. No, that was probably a beer bottle. Don't, don't be <laughs> just fine. Just just be ignorant. <laughs> when you're working in a in a hospital setting, the nice thing is you don't really have to market yourself. But do you have to like deal with staff? And there's always. <laughs> staff issues and staff good things there's good things too we like to harp on bad things it's just easier but
1: um -hmm.
0: what role do you play as a doctor over the staff and um any tips for us
1: um so it depends on your role in the practice you know some 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 physicians have medical directorship um, roles so they obviously play a a bigger part in the hiring process for us physicians we are involved sometimes in interviewing candidates and making or giving our input, you know, in in the decision-making for who they bring on. It it might just be another physician joining or even medical assistants. We work really closely with medical assistants. So even though I'm not all the time directly involved in the hiring process, you know, I usually look for individuals that, as I said, have that heart for serving others, Mm -hmm. um, those that have the potential and the capability for growth. You know, I've worked with different medical assistants and the ones that can take initiative, you know, are the ones that are more most helpful um, to me, as well as employees that, you know, that are just in keeping with the culture of the office or, or the or of the organization. Those are the ones that That's huge. That is. Yeah.
0: The culture of the organization. <laughs> I mean, you can get somebody that's really mm-hmm. great, but you just don't fit in here and you're really ruining
1: it. sounds <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. You just don't.
0: Do you train your your (laughs) M.A.s, your P.A.s, even your nurses a very special way just for like you in your office? Or can you just have them like attend a class somewhere and they come back and you're like,
1: yay. So I know there's like there's medical assistant, um, there's medical Mm -hmm. assistant school. They have a course that they do and the organizations also do their own specific training. But, you know, each doctor is different. We (laughs) have our own styles of training. What, how we want things done, the order that we want things. So sometimes there's still that tweaking and that personalization that happens. And as part of my practice, I remember uh, I, I also do um, thyroid biopsies. So that's the only procedure that I do as an endocrinologist, but I love doing them. And you kind of have to train your assistant, okay, I like this on this side and that, you know what I mean, hand me this at this time. So there's still some kind of individualization that happens beyond the medical assistant school.
0: My a mm-hmm. good friend, that's what he says. Is like you're trained, but you're not trained from my specialty. Especially, you're right. not trained from my office flow. <laughs> so,
1: and for me, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are there programs out there that you can uh, run them through to like reduce the curve of uh, the learning curve, or you just kind of have to get in there and just do it?
1: I'm I'm sure there are. Right, I I know different. I know there are online courses in medical assistance as well, and I'm sure there are you know brick and mortar schools that do that. Okay. But, but I think a lot of the learning, even as a physician, a lot of the learning that you do is it's with patients and in a hospital and, and shadowing doctors who are doing it. You know, in medical school, last how many years is spent just being and doing rotations. That's true. Actually, seeing and touching patients. A lot of medicine is this hands on learning.
0: Because I was thinking, like, if I'm an MA or PA and I'm like, I really enjoy ortho, well, mm-hmm. what, what can I do uh, besides just getting a job at the ortho to make myself the best ortho uh-huh. PA that I can I, do? I'm with. not
1: sure if there if, – if, I, don't, I don't think there's any specialized, like, MA school Thing for yet. ortho or MA school for, for endocrinology. You kind of okay. get the MA, MA certification. Then you go to the office and someone trains you on the job. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking out there. Just thinking out there. Like, there's got. You would that think would they would have something continuing. <laughs> ed.
1: Yeah. <no. laughs> oh man. Hello, be a good idea.
0: Yeah. Hello, out there. What do you see yourself in five <laughs> years? Maybe even ten years? I mean, you sound like you've already done so much. You're already fellowship trained. You're training other people. My goodness, that's that's impressive.
1: So yeah. Um. So I, I as you can tell, I'm passionate about endo- endocrinology and enjoy seeing patients and interacting with them on a day-to-day basis. But I know that within my heart, I'm created to do more. You know, over the past year, I've been trying to develop some other skills that I think can be used in conjunction with my medical degree to serve others, to serve my community. So as you, you know, I've been blogging, I've been writing more, I've been speaking more. So in the next five, five no, one, two, three, four, five years, I want to see that side of my career develop more. And her blog is,
0: is good. It's like, she'll talk about all kind. Of, I was going, I was kind of browsing through. I was like, what? My goodness, the, the topics in here vary so much, which is a good thing. I, it, it's not just step one of diabetes management, step two. It's not <laughs> like that at all. Like, they got relationship. There's some faith stuff. Like, there's so much good stuff. And I found you, obviously, because, on Instagram.
1: Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, you know, we are all mind, body, and spirit. So, My aim is to bring, to promote wellness and healing in all of these areas. So the topics that I write, some of it is about, you know, how to make good decisions. Some of it is about how to deal with the dating and the difficulty with dating. (laughs) I'm excited about this question later. (laughs) Some of it is about, you know, why you should get enough sleep. You know, for me, like I, I, I'll, you know, we talk about going to the gym and working out and becoming strong cardiovascularly and um, muscles and everything. But we don't talk about how do you build emotional health? How do you promote resilience? Because sometimes life throws things at at us that knocks us off off our feet. And if we don't, the people that have the tools to get up are the ones that that are more successful. You know, so I choose topics that talk about a variety of things. (laughs) Ah,
0: When we say, like, the spiritual part, how do you address that?
1: You know, I mean, with my patients or just in general?
0: Uh, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a good one. Um, <laughs> well, if you're able to answer both, that'd be great. But maybe just more like, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm like, oh, man, that's a great question because it, it doesn't have to be. A, generally, it's not like just follow Jesus, but there's a different aspect to like spirituality and in, in, in how you can bring it up with. Let's go with patience because bringing it up with patience sometimes is a landmine and yeah. everybody gets offended these days. So how do you incorporate that?
1: So, you know, I. I well, I'm Christian, and I, I tell them that. I ask them, you know, do you believe in prayer? You know, what would do what? I say, what do you do to feed your spirit? You know, you're going through all of this stuff. Like, what do you do? Like, I pray. I, you know, might read scriptures or I, I journal. All of those those things that feed my spirit. Someone else might not do those that exact same thing, but I think we we all need to do something to feed our spirit.
0: Yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> it's Because it's you know. That is a t- topic that a lot of people try to just avoid altogether. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what people, I guess. I mean, I mean to, be,
1: to be honest, I, I have had times where I've been able to pray with patients. Yeah. If they say, can you, can you pray with me? And I I do that. You know, I don't push yeah. it on anyone. But if someone asks me, I, I do pray for them. Yeah. I might say, you know what, I'll, I'll pray for you later. And they might say, can you pray with me now? I'm like, sure.
0: For someone who's like not religious, they have uh, they have their own way. I know mm-hmm. how they feel connected with. Whatever with whatever it is that they believe there's a way that they they know they know they can do it, and for mm-hmm. them it might be going outdoors and going hiking. okay, well, have you hiked recently? No, it's been about a year.
1: or you can do yoga, you can do meditation, uh whatever it is, whatever it is that kind of calms you and centers you, you know, I say, go for it.
0: Cool. all right, you ready to get a little more of the personal side? Sure <laughs> okay, first, vacations. I don't think you're probably going to have this issue. Y'all are like issued, ba boom, three weeks, four weeks of standard vacation. But a lot of people in America don't even take the time they have off and they're given. So are you one of those people or do you maximize?
1: I maximize my vacation. (laughs) Um, One of the passions that I have is, is for travel. I absolutely love going overseas. And over the past two years, I was actually working as a locum doctor. So I was a traveling doctor. So I had the flexibility of if I wanted to get a week off here and there to go somewhere, I could. So over the past two years, I've gone to Korea. I've gone to Singapore. I've gone to Africa three times. I've gone to London most recently. Yes. And travel... Travel has been proven to make you happier. It can re- just getting away from the hustle and bustle of your life reduces your stress. There's nothing um, more enlightening than being in a, a new culture, being immersed in a new culture, trying new foods, walking around in a place where no one knows you. And you are just enjoying, you know, enjoying seeing someplace different. So and I also think it's important to take vacation just to maintain that work life balance. We all talk about work. <laughs> life balance yeah. and something that's you know hard hard to achieve it was about perhaps four years into my practice where i came to a place of burnout you know wow. i was seeing 22 or more, sometimes 22 patients a day where just in and out in and out in and out in and out and after that just to keep up with patient phone calls and labs and notes i was taking home my computer and putting in an additional three hours every single night, even on a Friday night, I was working. Yeah, You know, it led to me being extremely stressed out. Anxiety levels were high, not being able to sleep. And I had to make a decision, you know, if I really want to, you know, I'm going to the gym and really trying to work on my physical health. What about my emotional and my, my mental being? So I think taking that time away from from work is crucial to So overall health and overall well being.
0: People don't realize that if you go to the gym, go to work, and you still got three hours of more work to do, Mm -hmm. that doesn't leave you much time for anything.
1: No, your brain doesn't your brain never turns off. Yeah.
0: And you always like you said, and you're stressed out like, did I get all the notes? Oh, I didn't get to finish. I just I quit. Now I'm behind. Now tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow's gonna be another day of twenty. Do you just have to like cut down your patient load sometimes? He's like, I just can't see more than 15. Otherwise, I don't have a life.
1: Sometimes we don't have a choice in how many patients we see. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. So it's a season, as we say sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, did you enjoy, and I'm assuming this happened to you, when you're in like Korea, mm-hmm. all the pictures and the obvious selfies with you I in know. the background? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I had I had something like this. So one of my girlfriends from residency, she's actually Korean. Okay. And she, my best friends, so if she happened to be at home at the same time I was there. So I had my purse, my own personal tour guide and interpreter, and they were saying, can, "Can we touch? Can we?" Oh gosh! But I had a really really good time. I I would I want to go back. I want to go back to Korea. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> yeah, because you have a unique hairstyle, which is uh double double the need to touch it in another country. <laughs> oh man. These, those cities in like Korea and Singapore, isn't that just out of control? I it. It's I like know. you get off the subway and it's just blocks and blocks of wow,
1: like, like, Singapore.
0: How do you fill up this many buildings mm-hmm. with stuff?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't understand. <laughs> I it blows my mind. I'm like, this one building is 20 like 20 oh. stories.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: Sorry, sorry, taking up all the conversation here. <laughs> well, so pre chat. You gave me a little lowdown
1: mm-hmm. on how
0: you got to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so spouses and significant others, we know we're, we got a single lady here. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned? What's going on? What brought you to Atlanta and this new this newfound singleness? Uh,
1: mm-hmm. Give us the story. Right. So I moved to Atlanta last year because I was engaged to be married, and my fiance at the time lived in Atlanta. And I think about maybe five or probably four or five months after I moved here, things started to take a turn for the worse in terms of the relationship. And the relationship ended um, sometime in the fall of last year. So you could imagine I just moved (laughs) my entire life um, to Atlanta and I've been looking forward to starting my family and getting married. So this was a big Loss and a big disappointment for me, not only for the relationship, but also for a dream that I had for where I saw my life being, you know, I had to kind of for a while I was like lost. Like, what do I do now? I had imagined my life with this person who's no longer here. What do I do? Um, so it, it has been a journey. We talk about resilience, and I think that it is an innate human attribute that we kind of all have to varying degrees. And let me tell you, that experience did help me to grow my resilience. (laughs) You know, looking back, the relationship wasn't the wasn't the healthiest of relationships. And I think that I had to do work on myself, work on rebuilding my self-esteem, you know, even though. I was a physician and, you know, being Dr. Kelly didn't help me in that situation. Uh, No. (laughs) I was was just the girl, Kelly, you know, but even though I was a physician and successful, I still had issues with self-esteem of not being good enough, not being smart enough, pretty enough, all of that stuff. And even though that was the horrible thing that happened to me, the person I am now, the, the strength that I have, the confidence that I have, I probably wouldn't have been able to do this podcast with you so freely, you know, I have just become a woman that I love so much now. Um, That's why when quote unquote bad things happen to us, sometimes that pain propels us to our purpose. I know that one of the things that I'm called to do is to help other women like myself who might be successful on the outside, but struggle with issues of self-esteem and self-worth to help them love themselves more. So even though it was painful, I'm I'm thankful that it happened because of what I am now. I love her so much more. Yeah.
0: Was it, do you find this, in, it's intimidating for guys to like go on a date? Like, was, oh, cool. She's cool. She's pretty. And then you find out, boom, boom, boom. You're like, yeah, I'm probably quote more successful, you know, potentially like on the outward appearance. And all of a sudden they're like, all right, I, I'm going to just have to leave now. <laughs> do you find that or what?
1: I, I think it. I think dating is tougher for the professional woman, but I, mm-hmm. I do believe that there's someone out there for us. And the the point is not to settle out of loneliness, not to let your, you know, you want to have a baby, you're 35 now, you know, not to let that cause you to be with someone that's not healthy, With to be in a space where you're not being treated the way that, that you deserve. You know, I think the right person will not be intimidated by my success. The right person will have their own things going on, too. They will also be pursuing their own purpose and their own passions. So they will have no time to be jealous of mine. So I'm waiting for that yeah. person to come along. Do you know anyone, Justin? Uh, you know, it's <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep it in the back of my mind. I know this lady. Uh, <laughs> looking back, and a lot of people in the medical career, they sort of, Especially for a woman, it's like all your buddies are getting married, they're having kids, and you're like, no, 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 that's gonna come for me later. It's not 1935. I can have kids when I'm older. But kind of where you're at now, looking back, would you recommend people to put a little bit more effort, like, into finding a spouse? And that I mean, starting to like getting a spouse is usually the first step. Maybe after residency, then have a kid, because that would just be so much harder to have a kid going through this whole part. But it's doable. People do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your opinion?
1: So I, I could have actually wrote about this on my in my blog around Mother's Day because mm-hmm. Mother's Day is you know it's tough for women who might have lost a mother or you know lost lost a child, and even for those like myself who want to be mothers but it just hasn't happened yet. And you know, there's no formula. I can't say if you waited, waited to get married is, is worse than having getting married first. But for me, I, 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 in my blog, I did write that, you know, I do think that I should have put a lot more effort into having more of a balanced life. You know, I was single, single-minded, single was focused. I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to become an endocrinologist. So I didn't put much attention or effort anywhere else. And then when I was in my 30s and I had become an attending, I'm like, wait a second, I'm by myself. <laughs> you know, what yeah. happened? Because you sometimes think that it will just happen, but sometimes it doesn't. And one of my friends, she she always says, you know, like, you know, we we, we know what it is to, 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 to go through long nights of studying and putting all this effort. And when medicine got tough, we didn't quit. We don't put as much effort into our dating life and into our social life. So now, even though dating is hard for a single woman here in Atlanta, when it gets tough, I I hear her voice telling me, you know, you didn't quit with medicine, you can't quit with this either. If it's important to you, you're gonna put the effort into it.
0: Do you find that it's hard like if you're a if you're a woman and there's that I have to stay focused, my relationships can suffer. I'll get that later. I need to work on my career. But if you're a woman who's like, I'm trying to have both and then you get married, do you find that their careers tend to like drift off the path that they originally wanted? I
1: think, I think societal pressures on women and the role of the woman in the family makes it a lot easier for men to balance that work, you know, work and work in family um, life. There's so much pressure on us to be everything for everybody at all times. We're supposed to go to work and put in a, a stellar job and come home and still have the vast majority of, of have most of the responsibilities of taking care of the family, taking care, taking care, um, of our, of our homes. Mm-hmm. You know, I do, you know, I have some, some mentors who I see do both and they are selling at doing both. I think at some point in time, one probably has to suffer. You have to put effort into one more than the other at some point in time. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's realistic to expect that you will get it right. <laughs>
0: Right, of course,
1: at the same time.
0: Well, what's nice is when you're 35 versus when you're 24, mm-hmm. you realize how important it is to ha- to have a, a spouse that's going to be, like, especially for like a man. I'm not mm-hmm. going to just put 70 hours a week. I'm not going to neglect my kids. You're right. not going to be responsible for 75 to 80 percent of the household right. work, right. as well as a 40 hour job. Like trying to find someone who's willing to.
1: I think I think our generation is probably a lot in terms of men a lot more flexible and willing to than perhaps past previous generations. Mm -hmm. You know, men, I think a lot more men are taking a bigger role in in their lives, in rearing and raising their children.
0: It's popular these days. Do you happen to have any kind of morning routine or lunch routine that grounds you for the rest of the day?
1: So for me in the morning, I use prayer, prayer prayer meditation, just to get my mind right. Are they the same thing? doesn't have to be the same thing,
0: okay? At all, but for you, no. Okay, no.
1: I'll, I'll I'll go into that. Okay, sorry. Um, for me, when I talk about prayer, I connect to God, connect to that my you know higher spiritual source. Meditation, you know, I could use an app and listen to somebody do a guided meditation. You know, so for some people it is the same, but for me it's it's a little bit different. Um, I also like journaling as well, writing my writing my my thoughts down. Um, It's been proven to help with mood and to reduce reduce stress And I also like to read my journal like months later to see where I've come from (laughs) While I was going through then and it kind of keeps me thankful as you can imagine I had a really rough year when I look back to see where I was then and where I am now I can't help but feel thankful you know, so Those are the things that I do in the morning just to get my day my day going sometimes you get up in a bad mood for no reason you know, emotions come and go, and it's good to have things in your toolkit that yeah. you can use to get yourself out of that funk.
0: The reason why I was asking you about that was because I think there's some Christians they are like, I can't meditate. That's too woo-woo, it's not Jesus <laughs> enough. And it's like, you know, they're, they're actually two different things, and you can have both without yeah. compromising your faith.
1: Exactly. Actually, one of my – next question, one of my favorite apps is an app that's called Simple Habit. And Simple I was a beginner habit. to meditation um, last year, but I found it helped to reduce anxiety and reduce stress. And just, you know, when your mind is going, 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 like the Simple Habit the app says, meditation is like a vacation for your mind. And it really it really is. And it's a free app. Um, you can also pay for an upgrade and get like more access to more of the meditations. But if you only have five minutes, you can choose a topic like help me sleep or feeling down today, or feeling anxious today, or I have an interview coming up, anything you can think about. And for that, those five minutes, someone sits you down, and you learn, you do the deep breathing techniques, and they take you through a guided meditation. And I've found that that mindfulness has been helpful for me on my he- healing journey as well.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that's how they were categorized. Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: Pretty cool, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes me actually want to, I keep hearing about it, and I'm like, I don't want like. I don't spend the time to do what I want to do anyway, much less five more minutes. of that.
1: All you need is five minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize they were so. I just thought it was just going to be somebody humming and. <laughs> <laughs> <You're funny. laughs> now breathe. Humming.
1: Sometimes they make you do that, yeah, but most of the times it's just thinking about bringing memories that you might, you know. Yeah. Just dealing with different topics. So I
0: really, there's I really all kinds start. of breathing techniques though. Like there's people that they've written books on the mm-hmm. healing of breathing and so there's obviously to me there's there's something there whether science is, it is. proven it, it or is. not.
1: It is. I mean, even when I myself might be feeling a little bit anxious, just taking a deep breath, it immediately calms me. You know, I, I was I was telling someone, I think I posted some somewhere that, you know, we all are experts at breathing. We do it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, but we don't take advantage of the power of the breath. You know, just when you're feeling stressed out, just taking a moment to take a, a, a few deep breaths—it really works.
0: You know, I was doing a uh, Australian football for one like a summer, and you know, you get tired from running, and you kind of put your hands on your knees mm-hmm. and lean over, and you do that—that'll get you another lap. <laughs> it was like, no, you're gonna put your hands over your head, you're gonna stand erect. So when the team member sees that everybody else is tired, they'll be like, how are these guys not tired? So, no, it's a mental game. It was, I don't know why I said that, but it was, it was kind of like a really, a, it was forcing you to exercise mm-hmm. and control like your breathing. Mm-hmm. And like, everybody's tired. We've all just ran for the last 10 minutes. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: make it work. Well, continuing on the, for the last question, continuing on, any other apps, books, or podcasts that you find that you secretly love and you just have to share with other people? And you've already done one.
1: Right. So one of my, um, So this year, for the first time, I have a vision board and it's been amazing. (laughs) You know, I've been someone that might have a New Year's resolution and I kind of write them down. I forget about them. End of the year comes around. Nothing I said I wanted to do is ever done. (laughs) But (laughs) this year I was like, you know what, Kelly, you have so many goals you want to achieve this year. We got to be strategic about doing what we wanted to do. So I have a vision board. I also write my goals down and I um, reassess my goals from time to time to see if I'm actually sticking to them. And it kind of allows me to say, you know, what, I have to tweak this or tweak that to get my to achieve my goals. One of my goals this year was to read two books a month. Um, I think I've averaged about one and a half so far, but it's still pretty better than none. Um, The book that I read recently was by John Maxwell. It's called sometimes you win. Sometimes you learn and it's talking about life's greatest lessons are gained from our losses and it kind of all tied into what I went through last year and how failure or loss, you know, the people that succeed are the ones that have the right perspective from it. The ones that don't allow a loss or a failure to defeat them, but to really learn and to become better. Um, from it so you know as i said before life everyone is going to go through life with its ups and downs and it's being able to manage and deal with the down period that will really determine if you have a good life or not
0: i wouldn't be the man i am today if it wasn't because of the divorce that i went through Mm -hmm. and the copious amounts of books that i read Mm -hmm. dealing with you know a whole range of topics, exactly what you're talking about. Because Maxwell's great; he's really,
1: yes. Yes. he's good. He's got a lot of books, and they're so easy to read. Like I read this in a few days. You know, so easy to read. Have you heard about Audible yet? <laughs> I'm old fashioned. I like to turn page.
0: <laughs> I, can't I read, read a book stuff. in two and a half hours the other day.
1: <laughs> I <can't, laughs> <It was> great. <laughs> I can't. I like to underline and make my own notes in the pages. So yeah, I will eventually get there. But right now, I, I want to turn pages. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no messing with you. Is there anything that we can do from a podcast from people listening? Any goals that you could potentially accomplish by having an audience uh, know what one of your big goals are that you can't really do on your own?
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. I think right right now I am still building building my voice and what what I what I want to say. And I know that as I said, I'm here to reach women like myself who want to be successful. But still are struggling with all these self esteem and self worth issues. A lot of women who might be only focusing on physical health, but are forgetting that they're also emotional, mental, and spiritual beings as well. Um, so I would say follow me <laughs> on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, uh, Dr. Kelly Wood, MD. Um, you can also follow my blog. Over the next over the course of you know, the next year I'll be rolling out, you know, other products. Hopefully, I'll be writing a book soon. Um, so you can Ooh. buy that one that's out as well. <laughs> and what's the website? Uh, Dr. Kellywood Doctor. Dr. Dr. Yes, Dr. KellywoodMD.com.
0: Very good. You know, uh, you don't have to listen to my past episodes, but when you scroll through in the, um, November, December,
1: mm-hmm. I had
0: probably, I don't know, it was a minority, it was, a, it was an African American spotlight series. Okay, and almost all of them were women, and they were like just like you. Just I wrote a book. I'm so passionate. Women, rah rah. And they're all like PhDs and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would recommend like finding them on Instagram because okay. oh, my goodness, they're so I, I follow them obviously on Instagram right now. Okay. They're always so into it. They're they're just you know they're promoting you know they're promoting themselves, but their their calling is like is powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know they're involved with some things that are probably like get you some speaking gigs and you know. It's really yes, cool do, stuff that they're doing I do think
1: I have something to say <laughs> to people um, so those are why why I'm looking forward to for, for this coming year to, to speak more like on podcasts or other you know other interviews I want to get that book out um, a lot of the a lot of the, the tools that I learned a lot of the things that I learned over this past year I think other women can benefit from them as well too um, I lo- a lot of us go through things but we never have the guts to, to, to be open about it. And when I when I share my story, someone says, oh, that happened to me too. I, did, I moved somewhere for someone and it fell apart. Like, we just don't talk about our struggles enough. And I think that what I gain can help someone going through the same thing. So I'm going to be using my voice. And it all comes back to being a doctor and being a healer to use my voice to bring healing to others.
0: Yeah. You know, I almost moved and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine, like you know, just preparing yourself to move and then it not working out and then actually doing it. And then now you're like, do I go back? Wow.
1: But so I, out. I know I'm supposed to be in Atlanta. So that's
0: crazy how that works out.
1: <laughs> <I> know, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our time together. <laughs>
0: Did you know I am offering a cupping one-on-one online class? You know, I've been in China for a while. I've got a class set up with, some TCM docs who do cupping. We'll show you the glass kind and the suction kind. You can find more information at a slash cupping. Right now we have a pre-sale price, so you're gonna save a good chunk of cash by signing up early. Just put your email, you'll get notified when the class goes live. Also, as always, the no needle acupuncture book. You can get four chapters, anxiety, low back, insomnia, and headaches. Got pictures, how to find the points, and of course, all with no needles. Just go to doctorsperspective.net slash protocol, as in needless acupuncture. We had great results the other day from a lady who uh, couldn't do a lunge because her knee pain. Now, knee pain is not an issue. So excited to hear that. Also, the first book, Today's Choice is Tomorrow's Health. A lot of people are looking for a magic bullet. This ain't it. This is saying, hey, look, if you can do small things daily... You will see results. And I'll I'll give you the blueprints that I use to create an exercise routine, cardio routine, get my nutrition in order, and actually get your finances in order too because that's a big stress in life. And, of course, it talks a little bit about chiropractic. So I hope you check that out. On the uh, website, under the resources tab, uh, these are my affiliate links. that helps out, support the show, Uh, Blueberry Hosting, uh, Set for Set. They've got the power bands. And, uh, and they're really, really resistant, really good to stretch those joints. Mentor box, you can get subscription to watch the author talk about the book so that you don't have to spend the time reading it. Uh, it also comes with workbooks and things like that. It's really quite cool. Primal health and nutrition, you can save 10% by going through my link and using the code PRIMALDOC. Uh, it's bone broth, adheres to the autoimmune protocols and a specific carbohydrate diet. Gluten-free, non-GMO, no sugar, dairy-free. All those types of cool things, as well as ClickFunnels. If you sign up through that or pick up a book from him through my links, it helps out a little bit. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, Amazon. You can sign up for different things like Prime, Fresh, or Music through our links. And, of course, any of the show notes, when you have books mentioned, uh, if you follow the link through my site, that'll help out as well. Well, that is it. Go on ahead and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on adoctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you A Doctor's Perspective.